Welcome to the latest episode of the James Scott Henson podcast. Um, you know, this one has been a long time coming. I really, I can't think of any topic that has taken me this long to address. Uh, you know, somebody asked me this, the question we're going to talk about today, and I think it was months ago over on Instagram, and I'm usually pretty good about responding to that, but, uh, you know, this question, it really, it really kind of made me wonder if I'm qualified to talk about it. And uh, I think that that stopped me up for a little bit. You know, I have this I have this weird attachment to like people being experts on things. There are people out there who I think are experts on things. There are people who are not. And I always I cringe a little bit when somebody who is not an expert starts talking a lot or somebody who just not, not, not even necessarily an expert. When somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about is talking on a subject, it always it, it just kind of just kind of hangs me up a little bit. And so I spent some time trying to make sure, like, is this something that I'm qualified to talk about? Uh, you know, on top of that was I, I got a new computer and they said that uh, at first they told me that Audacity, like the it's like a super simple recording program that I'd gotten used to using. They said that that didn't work for my new computer. And so, man, you talk about like old dog, new tricks type stuff. I tried a couple other uh, sound editing platforms and I just didn't like them. It was it was such a hassle that every time I would, uh, I'd, I'd open it up to record a podcast, I'd see this new, you know, this new recording app and I'd be like, oh shit, I don't want to do this. And so those things caught me up, but I think a lot of it was just this like kind of imposter syndrome or this fear of imposter syndrome when it comes to answering these questions. All right. So here's the question. Uh, th th there's a, there's a priest named Anthony DeMello and I, I like his, I like his writings. I like his talks. Uh, his book awareness is one of my favorites. And so I would post a lot of quotes about it on Instagram and I would always get like some degree of backlash for his quotes because you know, he's probably enlightened. He's probably operating on a, like on a plane that like most of the rest of us are not and so a lot of the stuff he would say was really kind of hard to stomach. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really pull punches. He's very clear about the things that are holding us back, the things that are causing us suffering. He doesn't he, he doesn't have a soft touch about that. I don't think he's mean. I mean, when you listen to his his talks and stuff, he's he's very funny. He's got a great sense of humor, but you know, maybe that didn't translate when we were, you know, when I'm posting quotes from him. So, but he talked a lot about attachment and about how our attachment to things is what causes us suffering. And this is not a new idea. It's present. It's super present in Buddhism. It's present in most of the Christian mystical traditions, most all of the mystical traditions, to be honest with you. So uh, I, every time I'd post from him, it, you know, I knew I was going to get some messages from people who were not happy about it. And so this this message that I got, the, the, the topic of today's episode, is it wasn't from somebody who was angry. They were just asking an honest question. So uh, the, the question I got from them was they said, I get what DeMello is saying about attachment, but I struggle with this in relation to a partner or your or spouse. It seems heartless to just love the experience of happiness that two people bring one another. Can you not love the person for themselves too? This is my hang up on him. So essentially what DeMello had said is that, you know, that, that we, we prioritize certain people or we're attached to certain people. And because of that, that suffering, that, that's going to bring us suffering because it's attachment and all attachment uh, brings suffering. It's just the way it works. So attachment is the subject that I really just kind of questioned my, uh, my business speaking on. But, you know, it, it's something that I've, I've really studied for a long time in my life. If you've listened to this podcast very long, you've heard me talk about my earlier life where 
An attachment to having the experience that I wanted to have drove me into drugs and alcohol and bad relationships and just a bunch of really stupid, stupid stuff. And so, you know, when, when I when I started coming out of that and I got I, I got I got into like Zen Buddhism and, and reading about the, the Eastern philosophies and things like that, and they talked over and over about suffering and attachment, I got really, uh, you know, if I'm honest, I got really attached to the idea of non-attachment. I would read these Zen stories um, of these monks who were just so above everything and they just had, um, they just they just really didn't seem to struggle with very much and I wanted to be like them because at that time in my life, like I was just a ball of suffering. I was anxious, I was depressed, I was angry, I was entitled, I was self-absorbed, uh, ju- just a nightmare human being suffering all the time and I saw what these Zen guys had and I wanted it. I remember one story I read where like this warlord is coming through a village and he's, you know, he's chopping everybody up and killing everybody. And he finds this Zen priest who's just sitting and meditating. And the warlord comes in and he's like, don't you know that I could cut you in half without blinking an eye? And the Zen priest says, don't you know I could be cut in half without blinking an eye? And I thought that was badass. I was like, I want to be like that guy. But not knowing what I was doing and having just started reading and being just young and immature and just, uh, I mean, I, you know, I've all, my whole life I've been emotionally immature uh especially compared to people my own age and at that point like I was super emotionally immature so I latched onto a really toxic idea of non-attachment I just wanted to have no emotions I wanted to be this like hovering godlike figure that was above everything and so that's what drew me in to the study of meditation and mindfulness and just all the things that changed my life for the better now over the years I learned that being unattached and you know being mindful and having equanimity towards things does not suppress your emotions it does not take them away from you Uh, in fact i think that it's brought me much more in touch with my emotions but that's also where i've learned about non-attachment what i found was that my emotions were not the problem it was my attachment to them being a certain way that was the problem it was my aversion to my emotions that caused me trouble Anxiety would arise and I would automatically start looking for something to make it go away. Fear would arise. I would automatically start looking for something to make it go away. Um, You know, one of the big ones, the ones they don't talk about in recovery is the boredom, man. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Um, uh, Drinking and using drugs, at the very least, it's not boring. Man, adjusting to the boringness of normal everyday life was so, so hard for me. So boringness would arise, you know, boredom, and I would be like, oh my God, I got to find something. I got to find something. I was so attached to my experience being a certain way that I was always driven back and forth uh, by, by things beyond my control. Recognizing this was huge. Recognizing this changed everything for me. Uh, just just coming to terms with the fact that, man, this, this, this very flimsy mind, this very flimsy uh, just set of things that I want and don't want, they just push me around. That was huge. And so ever since then, non-attachment has been like a super important, super key topic in my life. You know, in the more toxic non-attachment stage that I was in, I think I hurt a lot of people. I think that I probably made a lot of people feel less important because I I didn't really have a grasp on the idea of non-attachment. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't let people be special. I didn't let anything be special. I really tried to be completely indifferent to everything. And I don't know, maybe that's what somebody like DeMello would say. Maybe he would say that's the way it's supposed to be. It didn't work for me. 
I can't get around the fact that there are people I am super attached to in this world. I love my wife very much. I cannot imagine my life without her. I cannot imagine replacing her. Like, there's nobody else in this world that I want to be with. So, yeah, she is special to me. I love my kids. I, I got three kids, and they are all just awesome human beings. And, uh, you know, just about everything I do in one way or another, they're on my mind. You know, they're, they're, I think of them first. I think of my wife first. Any idea that comes to me, how it affects my family is the first thing I think of. Now, I'm not sure what DeMello would say about that. I'm not sure what an enlightened being would say about that. I'm not, I'm not enlightened. I don't claim to be enlightened. I, I do love my family in a special way. I love my friends in a special way. Now, that being said, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I honestly believe I love everybody. If you're hearing this, whether we've met or not, I love you. And chances are I would like you. But there's no way around the fact that my family holds a special place. They hold a place of priority, uh, both emotional, mental, physical, spiritual. They hold a priority in my life. There's no way around that. If I'm wrong about that, I'm wrong about that. But it is what it is. For me to say it's anything else would be dishonest. And I, I can't see the value in being dishonest about that. So now in my understanding, when we're talking about non-attachment, we're, what we're really talking about is our attempts to control our experience. Uh, you know, we cling to things, we reject things. Uh, you know, if we like something, we cling to it and we hang on to it and we want more of it. If we don't like something, we reject it and we try to push it away. The problem is, is that life is going to do its thing, uh, whether we like it or not. And so we cause ourselves a whole lot of suffering by trying to cling to some things and reject others. Um, you're having a great day and you wish it would never end. That wishing it would never end, you start holding on to it. You try to take something that is impermanent and make it permanent and you suffer. You're not having a great day or you don't feel well. You've got a headache, you know, whatever. And you, and you reject that. You, you get caught up on, oh, why do I have a headache? I don't, I don't want to have a headache today. Oh, of all the days to have a headache. And so you're rejecting that and you're going to suffer because there's us and we're these little individual beings doing our thing, but there's also life and it's going to do its thing regardless. The weather has never changed for a human being. Um, the events of the world all around us are going to happen. It's our job to get right with them. It's not their job to get right with us. And so that is what I mean when I talk about non-attachment. I wake up and I was going to go to the park today and it's raining. Uh, okay, cool. Rain happened. That's what that's that's what happens. It doesn't happen very often out here where I live, so that's actually a really really good thing. If I am attached to my idea of going to the park, I'm going to suffer. And actually to like to further, you know, to carry that out a little bit more. If I'm attached to my idea of going to the park in the sunshine, I'm going to suffer. The park's still there. I can go to the park. I just got to go in the rain. There is no reason for me to get sideways with the weather. There is no reason for me to get sideways with anything that is beyond my control. If I'm honest, I try to cultivate not having an opinion towards the things that are outside my control because I don't understand the point. You know, it's like somebody asked me, you know, it would be, it's equivalent to like somebody asking, hey, what do you think of the moon? Like, how do you answer that? And let's say you have an opinion on the moon. Who gives a shit? The moon's there. It's been there way before us. It's going to be there way after us. And it doesn't care what any of us think about it. That opinion is only, it's nothing. 
It's a waste of time and energy. And this applies also to things that like to events in, in, in our society and in our world. I can't help but have opinions on social issues and political issues, but I try not to be too attached to them because number one, I know I'm, uh, I, I, number one, I don't know that I'm right. And number two, nobody cares. I can have a really strong opinion on Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Neither one of them knows I exist. And I seriously doubt either one of them ever will. I'm not, I'm not a person who, who they're going to notice. I'm not a person who wants to be noticed by people like that. That's, that's not what I aspire to. So me having a strong opinion on them, like I'm sitting here, you know, suffering in some way because of what I think they should be doing. And they don't know I'm even a person on this planet. So I can have those opinions. I can say, well, I wish Trump would have done this. Oh, I hope Biden does this. But the day I really latch onto that and, and start thinking that it's the right thing and start trying to control that in some strange way, I'm going to suffer. And so that's what I mean when I'm talking about non-attachment. So I think one of the primary ideas here we have to, uh, we have to address and, and just have in the conversation is the idea of impermanence. And when it comes down to it, everything in our world is impermanent. You know, we live in this reality where everything is in constant flux. I know it looks static, it seems like nothing's moving, but everything's energy. Everything is changing all the time. And anytime we try to grab onto something in that, we're going to suffer because it's going to change. The only thing trying to hold on to it is our mind. And our mind will struggle because it's not in line with reality. You know, think about think about blowing bubbles. And you see these cool bubbles and they're floating through the air and you think they're beautiful, so you go grab one and you want to keep it and it pops and you've lost the bubble and you suffer or you want it to go a certain way so you start like fanning it one direction or another and it just doesn't listen to you and you end up you know blowing it into the bushes and it pops and you suffer or let's say that you decide you hate bubbles and you run around trying to swat them and you know you're getting upset about these bubbles floating around like in both of those instances you're suffering whereas if you just leave them alone the bubbles come and go if you like them you can enjoy them look how beautiful they are look how the light hits them uh, look how relaxing it is to watch them float around. If you hate them, they're not there that long. Just let them go by. Let them go do their thing. It's not your business. It has nothing to do with you. That's non-attachment. Recognizing like, oh, I don't like that thing, but letting it be there. This is helpful with our emotions. This is helpful with our thoughts. Thoughts and emotions come and go so quickly. One of the really like kind of scary things for people when they start practicing mindfulness and meditation in a real way is realizing like, oh my God, like thoughts just come out of nowhere and, and, and very few of them actually make any sense. Uh, emotions just arise. When you really learn to observe your emotional experience, you'll watch yourself go from like fear to happiness, to sadness, to anxiety, to anticipation, to joy. These things just come and go and the, the, the mind reaches out and grabs onto these states and tries to hold them. And when we just observe our experience and watch these things come and go, it becomes a lot harder to take them seriously. It becomes a lot harder to really get stressed out or worried about them. It becomes a lot harder to attach to them because they are so impermanent. So I think attachment and non-attachment leave room for like loving, healthy relationships. We just look, we just have to look at like how much we're clinging and grasping and trying to change things. You know, I mean, I think that you know, I just said like my family is very, very important to me. But I'm conscious of the fact that, number one, they are their own human beings. They've got their own lives and their own set of thoughts and their own set of beliefs and their own set of hopes and dreams. And 
that's cool. Like I want them to have that. That's that's what's so awesome about being human is having all of those things. I think that's that's what makes life worth living. You know, the day I start getting in there and trying to meddle and trying to make them be a certain way or stay a certain way or do a certain thing, that's where that's where my attachment is going to cause me suffering. The day that I decide, well, if my wife would just do this, we'd be happy. If she would just be this way, um, if this could just change, then I'm suffering. You know, I can address things with her. I can say, hey, I don't really like that you did this and she can do the same with me. But the day that we start thinking that like our happiness depends on this other person's behavior and they're changing, we're going to suffer. We've moved into attachment there and it's only going to bring us trouble. You know, I see this with kids a lot, especially, you know, being a counselor for the last however many years now, working with teenagers, like one of the biggest things was the, the like the difference between what they wanted for their life and what their parent wanted for their life. Usually, usually the dad, I know that's a stereotype, but you know, the whole dad of like, you know, you're going to be the best, you know, baseball or football player. Like that's a real thing, man. And you could see where it caused suffering on both sides because the dad had this attachment to the picture of what his son was going to be. You know, our expectations are just engines of attachment because we have, it moves us into this idea of how things are supposed to be. And when I say supposed, like I'm doing air quotes because like there is no way things are supposed to be. Life is unfolding. Life is doing its thing. We, we have this very egocentric idea that we're supposed to be happy. Like, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be safe. I'm supposed to get what I want. I'm supposed to be just, just like the king of my little reality. And that's just not how it works. You know, I think that we have a lot more control over reality than we give ourselves credit for. I think we have complete control over our relationship to all the things we can't control. But life is going to unfold. Life is going to do its thing whether we like it or not. And when we get attached to things being different, we're going to suffer. So expectations are almost always going to bring us suffering. As much as I can, I try to love the things I love and to let them be as they are. Because like what, what originally made me love them was the thing. I love my wife and my son Tyler and my son Max and my daughter May for who they are. And since that love has been born of who they are, why would I want to get in there and change that? When I see behavior or choices that are going to bring them suffering, I address that and I try to say, hey, this is where I see this leading you. But I can't be so attached to the outcome that their choices make me suffer. I can't be so attached to the fact that I think I'm right, that somebody doing something different than me makes me suffer. That's, that's just, that's a silly way to live life. We spend so much of our time trying to control things we have no control over. And it, that's, that's an exercise in futility right there, which will bring suffering. But it also, there's this implication there that that means that we know what's best. And I'll guarantee you, you don't. I don't. None of us know what is best. None of us don't have, none of us have the foggiest idea what is best. And so, maintaining a state of non-attachment, maintaining a state of equanimity towards things, even the things we love the most, I personally believe allows us to truly love them. It allows those things to be what they are in and of themselves instead of what we think they should be. And for me, that has brought me a great deal of joy over the past, uh, you know, the past 10 years of my life or so. So that's my take on non-attachment. If you want to read more about it, um, you know, I'd say check out Anthony DeMello. His book, Awareness, is, it's just like, like every little bitty chapters and every one of them is just like a flurry of punches to your face. I mean, it, it's awesome. 
um, a lot of Zen Buddhism talks about attachment and non-attachment in a very like in a much more eloquent way than I can. Um, I like uh, there's a guy named Brad Warner. He's an American Zen priest. I really like his stuff, you know, and he does he does videos on YouTube and all that. And he's very he's very easy to understand. But I think, you know, to really study non-attachment in your life, look where you're suffering. Look where you're suffering. Look at where you're trying to meddle and control your experience more than you have business doing. And you'll see where your attachment is and see what happens when you when you engage things as they are instead of how you think they should be. See what happens when you let thoughts and emotions come and go instead of grabbing on and saying, oh, I like this one. I'm going to hang on to it. And this one's valuable. So I'm going to really dig into it. And oh, oh, that one's yucky. That one's icky. It's got to go away. See what happens when you just let your experience be your experience and see, just see how much stress and suffering that takes off of your life. Uh, just try it out and see, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like I said, I'm not enlightened. So, um, you know, test these things out for yourself. So I'm still super active over on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, uh, you know, that's where I do the most interaction. I try to post there, you know, three to five times a week. That's where I answer most questions that people ask me. I do that on Sundays. Um, that's where I address specific questions. And I do, I do little, I try to do series over there. You know, I try to have like a cohesive flow, even though that's a really difficult thing to do on a platform like Instagram. You know, I've, I've posted a blog or two. I, I posted a new one on Medium recently about morning habits. Um, and the other thing I've been up to is I'm submitting guest posts to a few of the websites that I really like. So uh, I'll keep you in the loop about those things. The, the resource library at my website, that's jamescotthenson.com. The resource library, uh, I've added quite a bit to it. Uh, there's a introduction to mindfulness there. There's some guided, I think, a guided meditation. And then there's a few new like infographic type things that are useful. Uh, that's free. All you do is, you know, you sign in, uh, with your email address and, oh, that's a really cool thing actually was that my, uh, my, the, the media company I work with here in town, Wonder Tree set it up to where that's actually like a membership site now. So all you have to do is have your email and a password and you have access to all that stuff in the resource library. And that also signs you up for my newsletter, which I've been doing a little bit better about. It's not weekly. Uh, weekly was a little too much for me, but I'm trying to send it out every two to three weeks or so. So you, that's what you'll get when you sign in. I'm not going to, I don't spam you. I don't sell your name or any of that stuff. So that's the other stuff I've been creating. And um, I think I think it's useful. So go check it out. Most of that's at jamesscotthenson.com. That's the easiest way to find all of that. And then on Instagram, it's just James Scott Henson. So find me on there. I love meeting people and talking to people. I think that's super cool. I really like Instagram. I know there's a bunch of just bullshit on there, but I've met a bunch of people that I really like there. Um, people who I like, if I ran into them on the street, it would, it would take me a minute to realize like, Oh my God, I don't know this person in real life. I only know them on online because I'm like, I consider them friends. And so head over to Instagram and, um, uh, you know, we can talk over there. If you, if you have a topic that you think would be worthwhile to cover, you have a question, just shoot it to me and there's a good chance I'll address it. I, the only reason I do any of this stuff is because I want to, I want to do things that are useful for people. I want to help people escape suffering. I want to help people build the lives that they want to have. And the best way to do that is to directly answer what people ask me. So if you have something, shoot it to me and uh, I'll check it out until next time. Just take a, take a look at your experience, see what you're trying to control. That is not yours to control. See where you're meddling when you don't really need to. And just, I just, you know, study the idea of healthy non-attachment and see where it gets you. I will look forward to talking next time. Take care. <laughs>